When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Don't change me Don't change me Yes, uh, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day WA on this Wednesday. And uh, the big breaking story of the day for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. And basically all the family of Cobram Estate have joined me in the studio uh, to share Sports Day WA with me. I'll give you more details in a moment. But the big story today is that 51-year-old Damien Oliver, just a... West Australian and Australian sporting legend has decided uh, this year will be his final year and he will retire after the Perth Carnival. Of course, the four big races known as the Pinnacles would be run at Ascot. That's where he will farewell his career. And what a career it's been. He's won three Melbourne Cups, over 100 Group 1 races, and wouldn't it be just a fantastic farewell if he wins one of those Group 1s? as his final race at Ascot come the summer. What an incredible story when it comes to the Olivers. As we know, it was one of those moments, the first Tuesday of November back in 2002, when he rode Media Puzzle to the Melbourne Cup. And it was only five weeks before that that he lost his brother, Jason, who suffered severe head injuries in a fall, here in Perth at Belmont Racecourse, he was unconscious after the fall from Savage Garden. That was five weeks before this happened. And it was a moment like any other where you knew where you were, knowing what had happened on the big screen, the race that stops a nation. You may have been at home. You may have been at the track. I was at Subiaco Oval, I remember, because there was a big function there and I was invited along. I was at Subiaco Oval and the whole ground, the football ground then, was covered with tables and chairs and everybody looked at the screens that were scattered around the ground. And when Damien Oliver looked to the heavens, saluting his late brother, it was one of those special moments and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. Media puzzle, three lengths in front. This is the one that Damien's wanted. This is the one that he's riding for Jason. And media puzzle goes to the line to win the Melbourne Cup. Damien stands high in the irons, salutes the heavens. That's for Jason. It's media puzzle, the winner of the Melbourne Cup. And of course, he won that 27 years after his father Ray was killed in a fall at that Kalgoorlie race course back in 1975. Now, Jason was literally three years old when he lost his dad in a uh, racing accident as well. He lost his father. He lost his brother. 
And he is one of the great icons of West Australian sport. He's an Australian Racing Hall of Famer. And later on, we'll be paying tribute to Damien Oliver. A big announcement today that Damien has decided enough is enough and has decided to say this is the end of my time in racing. And we can't wait for the summer and we can't wait to see him at Ascot Racecourse. Give us your thoughts where you were when Media Puzzle actually won the Melbourne Cup. I recall it fondly. I know exactly where I was, and I reckon it was one of those moments. Get on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736, or you can call 13 12 We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. And as I said, the breaking story is brought to us by Cobram Estate. Now, I've got a lot of a selection here of Cobram Estate Premium Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil. They were delivered to the SEN studios because they're great supporters of this. And I recognised one because in our pantry, we've got five bottles of the Classic, which has got the purple brand on it, but there's others. I didn't know there was others. There's lemon-fused. There's garlic-fused olive oil. There is mild olive oil, and there's the green one. Let me just go over. That's the robust flavour olive oil. So Cobram Estate, of course, great supporters of SENWA and sponsors of the Sports Day WA program. Check it out, and we'll be taking a couple of bottles of home and spreading it over the salad tonight. All right, what's coming on? We've got plenty coming on. Uh, we're going to speak to AJ Ty in a moment. The Big Bash draft is happening on the weekend. It's going to be very interesting, very exciting. I'm going to talk to AJ about that. Also, I'm going to talk to him about uh, some of his teammates that are going to South Africa and are in South Africa. Uh, the first matches tonight regarding the T20 and the ODI series. So AJ Ty is going to join us in just a moment. We'll pay tribute to Damien Oliver on the program. I'm going to get David Short on the program because Shorty is a professional in the racing industry, but also he's a fan. So I thought, who can I get to give us a bit of a glowing tribute to what Damien has achieved from a professional point of view and who knows him as a mate away from the racing track? And there's only one. It's David Short. So Shorty's going to join us a bit later on. And as well as that, Roger Rashid is going to wrap up what was a bit of a uh, calamity day for the Australian tennis players at uh, Flushing Meadow in the borough of Queens there in New York where the US Open is being staged. Uh, Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria with the uh, the big stories of the day. And the other story, naturally, and it was well covered in the run home with Hayes and uh, Mardo, was that Liam Henry has requested a trade away from Fremantle. No surprise to me. No surprise to me whatsoever. I could see it coming. And the longer it went on, the longer and more convinced I was, and many were, that Liam wanted maybe a change from uh, the Dockers and trying his uh, luck somewhere else. And there's been a couple of clubs that certainly have expressed a bit of an interest. Let's uh, now welcome Andrew. AJ Ty, the Perth Scorchers quick and one of the best short-form cricketers in our time with what he's done over the years. AJ, thanks for your time and welcome to the program. 
Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Mate, on days like this we've had in Perth, the, you know, you can smell it. The grass has got a bit of a smell to it. You know, the flowers are starting to pop out. Uh, there's a bit of colour in our gardens because we know spring's around the corner and with spring, cricket arrives. You're looking forward to a new season? Certainly am, mate. Certainly am. We're uh, disappeared up to Brisbane. We landed today for a pre-season tournament uh, just to play a few games, get ready for WA and uh, yeah, then next thing's the, the season starting. It's it's very exciting. All right. Now, we've got this BBL draft happening uh, at the weekend. Uh, now, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I believe there is, I think, about over 500 cricketers have thrown their hat in the ring ahead of Sunday's draft. Of course, it's also the WBBL draft. It happens on Sunday. Uh, One o'clock our time will be the WBBL, and around about 2.30 our time, will be the BBL. And then I've had a look at the list, and there's some decent players that certainly are going to be in the draft. How do you think it'll change the dynamics of the BBL and also the franchises that'll take part this summer? Yeah, look, it, it, it was exciting last year, and then obviously it's just grown legs and it's got even bigger and better. And Yeah, I think it's so good for, for the game and, and the BBL in the both both formats, in, in the women's and the men's. So... Yeah, really exciting to, to see what happens and, and see who we uh, end up with. Saying that, your retention players have been Faf Duplessis, Stevie uh, Eskenazi, of course, Laurie Evans, Tymel Mills, David Payne, the bowler, Phil Salt. So what happens, just clear it f- with me and our listeners, if you're a retention player, it doesn't mean you're automatically connected to, uh, say, like the Perth Scorchers with those players. Yeah, so we've got one uh, one retention pick that we can use. So if someone, uh, let's for example say Faf uh, Duplessis, if, if um, Melbourne Stars or, or someone bid on uh, on Faf Duplessis, well then we have the the right to retain them and match match their pick with him. So um, if we want to keep him, so that that's pretty much how the retention works. But we've only got one. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be interested to see who we use it for, if we use it. What about the uh, players selected with that platinum pick in uh, BBL 13? They pocketed up, uh, and we'll pocket up to about $420,000 this season. So uh, the money is pretty handy as well for the competition now. Yeah, it is. And, and that, that was a big boost in, in getting players available and um, players wanting to come here and play and, and competing with some of the rival competitions that there are you know there's um the sat 20 and the ilt 20 which are going on at the same sort of time so uh having that competition in the market we've got to be able to pay top dollar to get get um top class players for for as long as we possibly can get them how competitive is the T20 market now? Look, I'm sitting at home and watching the Caribbean Premier League and there was a the Sri Lankan League there's a there's a T20 league happening most times during the year now yeah, yeah, pretty much is. Um, I know that a lot of players these days they could they could go straight from sort of our summer. They can go into the IPL and then to the UK Vitality Blast, and then I went to America, the MLC, uh, the Canadian GT20 was on. Um, then blokes have rocked into the hundred or the Lankan Premier League, and now the CPL's on. It's literally just a. a, a, a 
full-time circuit these days, which if you, if you wanted to, you could put your name in the ring in, in all of them and see where you end up. Yeah, you played with the Seattle Orcas. I know Marcus Stoinis was there and a couple of the other uh, West Australians. I think Jason was there as well. What was that like uh, for a first-up experience for you? No, it was excellent. Um, yeah, to have Korea in the US and have that sort of be be on the first sort of forage of, of a proper T20 tournament in, into that market was amazing. Um, it was hot. We played most of our games in uh, in Texas. Um, and, yeah, but it, it's got legs and it's going to hang around, I think. And I think you'll just see bigger and bigger names. Yeah, interesting. In- uh, you're saying it's got legs. That was going to be my next question. When you, when you see an American and you ask them, have you heard of cricket? And their first... Answer sense tends to be, yeah, I've seen a bit of it. Is it a bit like baseball? Because it is, of course, Willow hitting a ball. Uh, tell us about the wickets you played on there in Texas and the type of players and the people that were interested in coming to view it. Were they expats or were there some Yanks actually who thought, I've heard about cricket, I might go and have a look? Um, well, I'll start off with the start of it. The, the wickets were, were pretty decent. Um, for, for a fresh sort of wicket block that had been laid down, I think only eight months ago. So um, it was a bit sort of unknown when, when we first sort of, first couple of games, what it was going to play like, but then it held up and, and the wicket in the final was probably as good as a wicket you get anywhere else in the world. Um, so yeah, the, the wickets are, are definitely going to improve there over time and as the curators learn more and... Um, and then for the fans, yeah, there was a big, big expat community, but um, there was quite a few uh, Americans wanting to get involved and, and be part of it. And even one of the uh, police officers who was working at the final spent spent the whole day uh, watching, learning, and under, trying to understand cricket just so he he knew what was going on that night at the final when he was working. So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's going to grow, and, and Americans might have a chance to come around to it and. Um, get involved. Uh, good stuff. Uh, nice to get a bit of an insight. Uh, the Seattle Orcas uh, sounds like a pretty good name as well, but it rains a lot in Seattle, so lucky you played there uh, in Texas. AJ, 36 years of age now. I think you turn 37 just before Chrissy. Uh, how's the body stacking up? You've been going for a while, mate. Uh, if you're a motor vehicle, I reckon you've done over 250,000 Ks. But <laughs> saying that, you still seem to be moving okay. How are you travelling? Yeah, going well, thanks. Um, yeah, you, you say I've been going for a while, but I only started professionally when I was 26. So, effectively, if someone uh, is about 28, or like a Cam Bancroft or an Ashton Agar, I've been going since I was 19. I've, I'm probably, my body's in about a slightly uh, similar training age as them. So, I'm actually quite lucky that touch wood, uh, the body's going pretty well for now. And um, we'll see how long that lasts. And I'll obviously keep pushing it as hard as I can. And what about Australia's T20 squad for South Africa? Mitch Marsh is going to be the skipper. Your thoughts on Mitch being in charge as a leader? Yeah, yeah, excellent. You know, he, he um, had a crack here at the Scorchers and uh, did a great job um, until he was sort of more more away than he was here. And, and that's when uh, AT decided to step in or they handed over the reins to AT just to have a bit more stability and... Um, but yeah, Mitch, Mitch has got a great cricket brain. He understands the game very well, um, and yeah, I think he'll do a great job for for Australia tonight. 
Not a bad West Australian uh, contingent ahead of the first match, as you mentioned tonight. Mitch Marsh, Jason Berendorf, Tim David, uh, Josh Inglis, Marcus Stoinis, and, of course, Aaron Hardy gets an opportunity tonight, the all-rounder. You must be excited for him. Yeah, very excited to have um, Aaron Hardy get in the game. Uh, he's just gone from strength to strength in the last couple of years, and uh, the way he, he sort of dominated a big bash for us last year and uh, probably quite a late move uh, up to batting number three when we had all of our imports uh, not coming after the ones we signed. Um, yeah, we thrust him up to three and he, he took it on and did such a great job and he, it was a well-deserved call-up for the Aussie team. Yeah, good stuff. AJ, thanks for your time. You're saying you're flying to Brisbane tomorrow, are you? Uh, in Brisbane today. We oh, you're in Brisbane today. Arrived, so. Okay. And how long are you up yeah. there for? Just a week. We play two one-day games and a three-day game starting tomorrow. So Good stuff. Um, yeah, should, should be good good fun and, and good to see some of our young young squad members uh, get a crack. Well, you sound as enthusiastic as ever. You're a very wily uh, bowler. There's no question about that. And also can throw the willow around a bit as well. We are looking forward to seeing you, of course, wear the orange. The Perth Scorchers, uh, no doubt, will be the hunted after two summers of massive success. Uh, And that's half the fun, isn't it, to try and stay at the top of the game? It certainly is, mate. We love being uh, at the top and very competitive team and our Scorchers franchise, and uh, yeah, we'll be doing every bit we can to make it a three-peat. Thanks for joining us, uh, AJ. Enjoy a few days up there in Brizzy. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Cheers. AJ Ty joining us on the program. The BBL draft is going to be interesting, as I mentioned. It happens on Sunday, and it was good to get a bit of an insight from uh, Andrew Ty on his first experience here in the American T20 League, uh, the limited overs competition that happened there for the first time, playing with the Seattle Orcas. And as I mentioned, a few other West Australians took part there as well, including Steve Smith, who was over there. It's uh, coming up now 18 past five, and you're listening to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Kia, and as well as that, uh, our friends at Toolmart, the complete tool center, of course, Kia have got the EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year. They want to show that to you, so get into your local Kia dealer. Join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine anytime. 0487 736 736. Yeah, it's great to have you company. Come and join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine. Dockers fans, are you surprised? Are you annoyed? Are you angry? Are you disappointed? What's your reaction to Liam Henry deciding and putting his hand up to say, uh, oh, I think I want to be traded? out of Frio and see where I end up. I, I mentioned Carlton, but there's been a couple of other clubs that have been thrown in the mix as well. I think St Kilda's also one of the other clubs thrown in the mix. So we'll see where he ends up and we wish him the best of luck and we'll see what Frio get in return. For Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Let's have a look at some of the sporting headlines. And the Boomers were successful last night. They defeated Japan by 109 to 89 after of course, previously in their group game, going down to Germany. Brian Gorgian and Josh Green spoke uh, after the result in Japan last night. Yojima through the lane, take away. It was Green who got the steal. He'll get the reward on the other end and one. Power Murray tried Hawkinson, not there. Mills in transition. The give up. Cooks! My goodness! Cooks has got to be one of my favorites here tonight. Yep. And that's how this one ends. 
I'm happy to move to this next stage with this group because I think we're getting better as the tournament went on. I know we lost to Germany. We went up another level, I think, tonight. So I keep saying the youth, as, as they experience international basketball, we're going to get better and better. You know, we know who Luca is and, you know, how good of a player he is. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to do our work. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, there is history. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, that's in the past. It's about, you know, what's going to happen on Friday. And, you know, I think we'll be ready to go. Yeah, taking on Slovenia, which will be uh, a big match. Luka Doncic, of course, is going to be the big star, isn't he, Jimmy? You better believe it. Looking forward to that. Do you reckon they can win, Jimmy? Just uh, nod. Yeah, you reckon you'll get past Slovenia? Okay. That's Jimmy's uh, prediction. Um Ange Postacoglu, the manager of Tottenham Hotspur, suffered his first loss as manager of Spurs overnight. They were in the League Cup. The second round, they took on fellow Londoners Fulham at Craven Cottage, which is the home pitch of Fulham. Ended up 1-1 after full time. They go straight into penalties and they lost on penalties. And this is what uh, Big Ange had to say post that Fulham loss. Yeah, it's, it is my priority, mate. But like I said, there's no European football, so how am I going to find out about our players? What opportunity would I have to do that other than a, a game? And uh, they're all Tottenham players. I have, they're all part of our club. From my perspective, you know, we're very much at the discovery stage, mate. So I need to find out, you know, um, and we need to give the players the opportunity to contribute because that's why they're here. They're not here just to make up the numbers. So. Angel's talking about nine changes he made from the weekend's game in the English Premier League to the League Cup game last night. He was questioned why he made so many changes, and that was the answer that Ange provided. Paul Connor is the manager of Bailey Smith, who's been touted as possibly wanting to get out of the Western Bulldogs on a podcast called the Gettable Podcast. This is what Paul Connor's had to say about Bailey Smith. Yeah, he'll be at the Bulldogs. I feel like the more we say it, the... Um Less people, you know, just don't listen. But um, he'll be at the dogs. Yeah, he, you know, he, he'll he get his body right. He's been a bit tired and a bit sore. Um, go back, refresh, reset. He's looking forward to a big year, but he'll be there. He'll be there. So, Bailey Smith, as far as Paul Connor is concerned, the manager of the Western Bulldogs uh, star player, declaring he'll stay uh, in the kennel. So we wish him the best of luck going forward. Let's hope he does get his body right. After this, we're going to speak to David Short. As I mentioned, he's been involved in the horse racing game as a broadcaster, as an analyst, and also he's a fan. He's a fan of the industry and has been following Damien Oliver's career for many years. Before we speak to Shorty, now this is what Damien Oliver had to say at his press conference today when he announced that uh, after the Perth Summer Carnival, he'll bring down the curtain on what has been an incredible career. I'm excited about what what lies ahead. It's it's going to be really different for me because you live quite a a routine, sort of structured um, life, and it has been for so long. So, yeah, it will be a little bit strange, and I can understand how sportsmen um, do struggle with that transition. Um, and but um, I'm really looking forward to the challenge and, and can't wait for what's ahead. You know, I, I still feel like I've got the the passion and and the expertise and and the want to still want to do it on race day. But um, there's a whole grind that goes with that as well. And, and as you get older, it gets a little bit harder to keep that up. But um, yeah, once once you get there on race day, that 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 want and um, 
and that thrill of doing it certainly hasn't waned at all. It's great to be recognised from your peers um, that uh, in that in that stead. So yeah, um, and that's probably one of the things I will miss a lot of the banter in the jockeys' room. It's uh, there's a lot of fun in between races, and you know it's a unique sport where. Um, you're followed around in an by an ambulance and then you just go and sit in a room and, and take the piss out of each other all day. So, um, yeah, I'll miss that a lot. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm sure that I'll, I'll be a regular visitor back to the races and, and keep in touch with a lot of them. Yeah, a few of the seagulls and the birds were pretty keen to get into the press conference as well. Uh, what an absolute legend. And it also took me back uh, to 2011 when they released that movie. And it was more a, a biopic uh, called The Cup. Uh, it starred Stephen Curry. Uh, it covered uh, Oliver's relationships with his family and how he overcame the passing of his brother, Jason Oliver, and then went on to win the 2002 Melbourne Cup two weeks later on Media Puzzle. It was uh, a very, very emotive film, and I thought Stephen Curry uh, covered it pretty well. Uh, and as we know, a couple of years later in 2013, he won his third Melbourne Cup, uh, riding the favourite uh, Fiorente. So uh, we're about to get Shorty to join us on the program. And as I said, you can join us any time on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736, or you can give us a call on 13 12 55. So at 51 years of age, Damien Oliver decides uh, this is it for him. As David Short, as I mentioned, uh, very much been involved in the racing industry all his life, joined us on the program to discuss uh, the great career of Damien Oliver. Shorty, David Short, great to reconnect again. Pleasure, Pete. Nice to be with you. What a uh, name in Australian sport. He's part of the Australian Racing Hall of Fame, Damien Oliver, today announcing uh, his swan song will be the Pinnacles and the Summer Carnival here in Perth, Western Australia, where his career all started. And you probably were a young boy, but you may sort of have a bit of a recollection of when it all started happening for him. Oh, absolutely. No, look, he's one of WA's racing's and WA sports' favourite sons, to be honest. Uh, of course, uh, headed across to the East Coast um, as a, a talent, but has just gone on to emerge as one of the all-time great jockeys in Australian racing. Uh, much love. Of course, he has a, a huge love for, for the West Coast Eagles um, and has forged a great friendship uh, along the way with many of those players. Uh, but just ridden some of the, the all-time greats um, in his time. He's been associated with some huge stables in including Lee Friedman, the great Bart Cummings, um, and I guess the signature moment, of course, uh, putting to the side the passing of, of his brother, Jason, and, and coming out um, only a few days later and, and writing media puzzle to success in a Melbourne Cup. It will go down uh, as one of the all-time great racing moments as he looked to the heavens post the victory of media puzzle in one of the most emotional days ever seen on a, on a racetrack. And I reckon it's one of those moments, I certainly remember it, 2002, where you were, where you watched uh, that uh, race that stops a nation. It was a very emotive uh, occasion, certainly as you mentioned, Shorty. And of course, uh, the Oliver family have been synonymous with racing, and he was only a little boy, may have only been three or four years old, when he lost his father uh, during a race fall in the 1975 Kalgoorlie Cup there in the in the goldfields. And still, Damien went on with his father's legacy and forged a, a magnificent career. Oh, big time, yeah. And you think about the bravery that goes along with that, Pete. He's obviously grown up around it and knows the risks associated, but he just fronts up week in, week out and... Uh, he's been a great ambassador for, for WA Racing as well on the way through. 
Um, he's much loved. His, his opposition riders have got enormous respect for the man um, from when the moment that uh, a few of his uh, retirement was coming through. Some of his old foes have come out and given him wonderful tributes. Uh, there was a couple there from the, the Sydney Morning Herald. Hugh Bowman, commonly referred to in the Melbourne Jockey Room as the GOAT, from idolising Damien to competing with him in some of the world's biggest horse races. A fierce but fair competitor. It's been an honour. We wish him the best in retirement. The pumper, Jimmy Cassidy, a great mate, a champion jockey, one of the greats of all time. It was fantastic to watch. What a horseman. And Greg Childs, uh, Damien is a terrific jockey, consistent in winning, but tactically he could always mix it up. And when you think you've got him beat, you haven't. He'll have a wonderful retirement and will be consistently in demand as a guest speaker. He'll do the racing industry proud. So some wonderful tributes. Um, Damien Lane, the star WA hoop that's now shining as one of the best riders in the world. He, of course, goes up to Japan. He's ridden all over the world. Uh, he's looked up to Damien Oliver for a long time. Damien will go down as the best of all time. His dedication to the game and his competitiveness throughout his whole career is what kept him at the top for so long. An idol of mine from a very young age, it has been a privilege to share the racetrack with him. So when you're getting those sort of plaudits, Pete, from um, you know the, the elite top-level jockeys, there's enormous respect for what Damien Oliver's been able to achieved throughout the course of his career. What will be your lasting memory? Is it that Melbourne Cup ride on Media Puzzle or does something else come to mind as well, Shorty? Well, there's a couple. Um, that's the one that automatically springs to mind. There's no doubt about that um, Media Puzzle. But I think also um, aboard Northerly in, in 2001, uh, taking out the Cox Plate, two West Australian champions combining... Um, from a trainer and, and a jockey perspective with our champion horse of the time. It was, a, it was a great time in racing, Pete. It's a couple of decades ago now, but I think to how excited so many people in this state were when Northerly was uh, right on top of his game and uh, that, that um, opportunity for Damien to be aboard Northerly in 2001 was really special. Um, of course, um, you know, Fiorente for Gay Waterhouse taking out uh, another of his Melbourne Cups there, you know, to ride for the, the absolute queen of Australian racing. And that's the, the thing that really stands out about Damien Oliver. He's had incredible um, relationship, working relationships and success with um, some of the biggest stables and trainers in the history of the sport over a really significant period of time. So um, he's going to retire with, um, I think, 128 at least Group 1 winners. It's a phenomenal record over a really significant period of time. Three Melbourne Cups, four Caulfield Cups, two Cox Plates, a Golden Slipper. Uh, he has achieved it all on the track. Um, so, yeah, we certainly wish Ollie all the very best in retirement. We'll, wish, we'll certainly miss him, Pete. But one thing I know for sure, there will be massive crowds turning out uh, for the Ollie farewell tour, for him to be riding here in his home state uh, through our Pinnacles Carnival, where he will get an opportunity to add to that Group 1 tally. No doubt he'll have some really nice mounts and he'll have a number of local trainers that will really be doing their best uh, to, to get him up and saddle him up on some great winning prospects through the pinnacles. It would be a wonderful way to farewell what's been one of the all-time great careers. Yeah, 51 years of age uh, he will be when he retires. Uh, he turned 51 in June. We saw some great retirements, some great uh, fan engagement when Luke Shuey, Nick Natanui and Shannon Hearn said goodbye last Saturday night here at Optus Stadium, Shorty. I could just imagine on the final day of his career 
what it'll be like at Ascot. It will be heaving. And can you imagine, uh, if he happens to, to ride one of those big race winners on the day, uh, the Kleenex will be absolutely <laughs> on the up when it comes to their stocks, Pete, because uh, he's meant a lot to a lot of people. He's a really popular man. Uh, a lot of the local racing fraternity remember Ollie as a, a young fellow, an apprentice, when he was coming through the ranks and had that link to the, the Oliver family. So... Uh, it's going to be really special, and I love that he's chosen to come back home and, and farewell his career here where it all started in the West. It'll be um, something that, as you've touched on, the local, not even just racing people, I think local, just the sporting community in WA, whether you're a racing fan or not, you're really aware of um, just how much of a champion this guy has been over a significant period of time. And I think there'll be a lot of people that are maybe even racing neutrals that'll just come along to farewell an out-and-out champion of sport. You're a good man. You've summed it up beautifully. A great uh, tribute to Damien Oliver. I know uh, the man that we need to go to when something like this happens, and it's David Short. Thanks for your time, Shorty, and we'll catch up again soon. Absolute pleasure, Pete. David Short, he's been around the racing industry for a long, long time. And that was just a, a beautiful little interview, beautifully packaged up, looking at uh, Damien Oliver's career. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back and have a look at the US Open. Roger Rashid is going to join us here on Sports Day WA. Welcome back to Sports Day WA, wherever you may be listening across the state of Western Australia. We're here for Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, who are the complete tool centre, serving WA for 45 years. We always have a chat with mate segment. Thanks to mate, fair digum internet without the fuss. And he's a mate of tennis. He's been involved in tennis for a long, long time in a number of capacities. Player, coach, television commentator. He's done it all. Downright passion for the sport of tennis. We're into the final Grand Slam of the year, the US Open at Flushing Meadow in New York. We're talking about Roger Rashid. He joins us on the program now. Roger, thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Pete. Pleasure to be on. I uh, tell you what, what I like about the, the Grand Slams, and you can also give us your thoughts, they're all different, aren't they? The Australian Open, the French Open, then we've got Wimbledon and the US. I'm talking different from in relation to the dynamics and the aesthetics of each Grand Slam. Because I've been to a couple at Flushing Meadow, and you think sometimes you're an AFL football match the way the crowd reacts. Yeah, 100%. The Australian Open, if we start there, it's, it's, it's one where, you know, we, the Australian public, they love sport in general, so they turn up in, in huge numbers and we respect the game and, and, and the athletes as well. So it's, it's one sort of really great atmosphere in the city of Melbourne. And then you go to Paris on the clay, a brutal uh, major as far as physically what it, the output that's required to win there. And you've got a different audience. You've got, you've got fashion involved. And that last week of... You know that centre court there on Philip Chartrier. If you, you know, if you throw your racket, the, the you know the fans will get on you as well. So you've got to understand the environment and the temperament of the the centre court environment. If you're if you're a player, we've seen plenty of players that have been come victim to the the fans on centre court. But what a great intimate atmosphere there, and it's a it's a fashion festival in that last weekend. And and then you go to Wimbledon. That's the you know that's the purity of uh, of our sport. You know the smell of the green grass, beautiful lush grass. Uh, there's no sponsorship littered all over the stadium. You're in the whites. Uh, you've got a hugely respectful audience and, you know, you can get up and close and really personal to the players on the outside courts. And, gee, have we seen some some amazing dynamic tennis matches like we did with Alcaraz and, and Djokovic in the final there. And, and now we go, we're here at uh, Flushing Meadows and, and that's rock and roll. There's no doubt about that. You know, to put, you know I've always said for... 
friends of mine, if you're coming to New York, uh, make sure you go see the night matches because night matches at, at Flushing Meadows, it's a rock concert. And, and if, if you're in, lucky enough to be engaged in, a, in long three-set women's matches or long five-set men's matches, the environment, the energy and electricity in that stadium with 24,000 people is, is something to behold and, and, a, and a real spectacle. It's a buckle list for anyone that's enthusiastic about theatre and sport. Yeah, no, it's a great venue. It's a great open. I thoroughly enjoyed my time going to a couple of them over the years. I tell you, it hasn't been an enjoyable time for the Australians overnight and this morning our time. Uh, Chris O'Connell and really Alex Dimonor, the only survivors on the men's side of the draw, it was a bit of carnage for the Australians overnight. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, Alex, obviously, the 13th seed, Pete, so he's had a great, uh, you know, he's had a great year you, when, you, when you put yourself in your 13th um, in the world and, you're, you know, you're knocking on the door of the top 10. That's, you know, for Alex, that's really premium stuff. And so uh, we're excited to see if he can get close to the top 10. That'll be a huge feather in his cap. I think where he's at now is extremely high level. Um, so, so he's got an opportunity, but you know you need to get you need to go into the second week of this major and, and realistically looking at his draw, I'd expect him to get to the round of 16 and, and actually have a and then and then give himself a look at uh, what happens in the in the second week. And Chris O'Connell, he's had a, you know, a good grass court season, clay court season. A uh, bit slow on the U.S. hard course, but you know he, he played his he's played his uh, teammate, didn't he? His Australian teammate. So uh, Max Purcell, who's had a good who's had a good year, he's, he's in, inside the top 50 in the world. So um, and you get through and you win that match. So kudos to him. And um, but we actually did have some disappointing matches uh, with the Aussies as well, who had really winnable matches and, and didn't quite get it done. And you know what? It's interesting. You you know that that tournament, you can get caught up in the hype of uh, Manhattan and being being in New York and Manhattan and there's you know it's the city's alive and it's buzzing and it's uh, really hard to get real quiet time and some people do get overawed by the environment of, of New York and and uh, yeah so we didn't we didn't do we we didn't fare probably as well as we would like to in the first round of uh, round, first round of the open for the yeah. men. Jordan Thompson retired hurt. Jason Kubler was forced to retire. And Thanasi Kokonakis, yeah. probably the most disappointing performance uh, overnight. Uh, he lost to a Taiwanese qualifier. Thanasi has promised yeah. so much at times. And like now, when he's fully fit, he failed to deliver. Yeah, and I, and I think, look, you hit the nail on the head. When you're fully fit and you've got some rhythm, week in, week out rhythm, uh, this was really, you know, this is a, a real time for uh, Thanasi. He's had that now for the last couple of years to really be sort of impacting himself on the tour. So, um, you know, as we know, you've got to turn up every week and you've got to be able to put on a put a really strong game. And, and he'd be disappointed lo losing in four sets there. Um, the energy of the New York, you know, at that tournament should really have gone into his favour. But... Um, you know, there's still a lot to do there on, on the side of Kokonakis with his game. Um, and I'm sure he's still try, you know, trying to work out the why the fluctuations happen uh, week in, week out, and don't give him that continuity. And, uh, yeah, so and you're right, he'd be disappointed with that, for sure. Just looking at the women's side of the draw, Rog, uh, there's been a bit of criticism. Venus Williams was unceremoniously knocked out in the first round by world number seven, uh, 97, I think she was, a Greek minute losing 6-1, 6-1. And some people are questioning why she was granted a wild card into the US Open because she's been knocked out in the first round, I think the last three US Open tournaments. OK, she's won it twice, but now she's 43 and she's kept probably another young American from maybe having a, a shot in the main draw. 
Yeah, look, I think there's a few, you know, there's a few um, a few arguments to that, obviously. She's given so much to the game. And, and yeah, you, the, on the flip side, you say, well, when's, when's enough enough? You know, the wild cards and, um, you know, but... You know, she's probably got a couple more years. She still wants to play. Um, had a couple of good wins on the American Hard Courts uh, summer this year, actually. And uh, so, so she played, but, but um, it's a good argument. You know, the wild cards are discretionary from, from the tournament, and they generally look at uh, a few young few young athletes, and then they look at players like Caroline Wozniacki got a wild card. She's making her comeback and won in her first round. So then um, that's obviously, you know, a one that you'd, you'd, you'd want to give to a former world number one and a major champion. Um, so, yeah, there, there is an argument for that, and I'm sure it will be debated moving forward um, over, you know, in the next 12 months of when, where does it stop? And I think Venus has actually said that she's going to continue playing the sport because she loves it. So, uh, feather in a cap for, for doing that. I mean, who would be, you know, when you think you're 43 and you're still out there wanting to get up, wanting to practice, wanting to try and get better, um, even though knowing that your best is well and truly behind you, uh, you know, she must have a, you know, the competitive juices must still flow. But, I, look, I agree with you. There's, a, there's definitely an argument to say that at some point, you know, we need to... Well, you know, and, and I guess it's also up for the tournament predators to decide how are we going to use the group of wildcards that we that we have. Are we going to give a couple to some of our past greats if they're available and 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 those sort of things? So it's, it's I'm guess it's a discussion table around the table. Novak Djokovic continues to fire. Carlos Alcaraz, of course, had that absolute epic uh, at the Cincinnati Open leading into the U.S. Open. We'd love to see a, yeah. a rerun of that at uh, a major being at Flushing Meadow. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, look, the men's side's really tricky. I mean, the, the top half with Alcaraz, you know, as he, you know, he, he he opened up pretty cleanly, and and he's got his feet back on uh, back on the ground after after Wimbledon. You know, it was always going to physically take a little bit out of him and to, just to find his rhythm and. But he has Sinner or Zverev, probably Sinner, I think, uh, you know, potentially in the quarterfinals. Medvedev is on his side of the court, court as well, potential fourth round with, with Alex. And um, so, so that half of the draw is, is fully loaded. There's no doubt about that. If you looked at, if I said, you know, if I picked four people that could potentially win the, win the US Open, if you were looking at it, you would have gone Novak, Alcaraz, Medvedev and Sinner. That would have been your group of four. Sinner being really consistent this year and knocking on the door. Still hasn't got there yet, obviously, so he's got some work to do. But um, they're, so they're in the top half, and then you've got Novak sitting in the bottom half. And, you know, there's Sitsipas, who, who had a good win in his first round against Milos Raonic, obviously not the player that he was. But, um, you know, and I, but I don't think Sitsipas can potentially take out Novak. I think there's too much of a roller coaster that goes on in his mind um, on the court of a five-set tennis match. And then there's uh, Holger Rune, who lost in the first round. And so... So I think it's Novak's energy-wise and uh, field tickets leading into a, in, you know, towards that second week. I think it's in favour of Novak. So it's an exciting men's draw, and and uh, you know when we switch over to the women's side of things, you know we're we're looking at the same thing. We're looking at a lot of excitement. I guess in New York and for the Americans, Coco Golf, who's now teamed up with Brad Gilbert. So really smart move, educational tennis coach who knows how to who get value out of the athlete and, and immediately, um, you know, Coco's won her biggest tournament in Cincinnati uh, with Brad by her side. So it's quite interesting when you get 
the importance of getting the right voices and really educated voices once you're at the pointy end of the sport, um, they make a, they make it definitely make a real difference. Love talking to you, Roger. You know your tennis uh, back to front. Uh, we appreciate your insight into where the US Open is at, and hopefully all being well, we can uh, touch base with you again as we go deeper into the tournament. Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Roger Rashid, uh, tennis commentator, tennis uh, aficionado, joining us on the Sports Day WA program. All thanks to Chats with Mates. Uh, score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Kerr worldie with Mate. And, of course, don't forget that Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. All you need to do is just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance. TNCs do apply. We're talking about, of course, the Super Bowl and what event that'll be in early February of next year. That's been uh, Sports Day WA. All thanks to Kia, the EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, for being serving WA for 45 years. Toolmart, by the way, up there at the Dower and Phil days, which got underway today and will continue tomorrow. For those people listening in uh, throughout the wheat belt, we've got quite a few listeners through that part of WA. Thanks to Jimmy, also Brian, for helping out today. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 right here on SENWA.